Thanks for joining us. This is a LC podcast sermon. What a message in that song. The videos that the scenery in the videos that you saw adequately depict what our country looks like today. You saw a couple of scenes from the D.C. prayer march too. People humbling themselves before God, praying, asking God to heal our land. This country needs restoration. We've drifted so far from God. One of my favorite verses is the 23rd Psalm. And there's one particular line in the 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm, verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Father, as I bring this word to your people this morning, Lord, I pray that hearts are changed, minds are changed. Lord, that restoration within people's lives begins to happen. Lord, that restoration within our country, begins to happen. Lord, we're so broken and we're so discouraged. and Things seem so bad if we look at what we see in the natural. But Father, we know You are a God of restoration. And that all of this stuff is just stuff to You. What seems big to us is not too big for You. Lord, we just pray that as we humble ourselves and pray and seek Your face, Lord, that You begin to work the power of restoration in our nation, in our churches, and in our families. And we thank You for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. That particular verse, Psalm 23 and and 3, He restores my soul. How many of you have ever been at a point when your soul seemed to be crushed, when your spirit seemed to be very down and it seemed like things of the world were coming at you. Come on now, I'm, I'm not the only one been there, I know. Some of you have been there and God, God comes in and He brings His love and His restoration to you and He gives you that second wind. He brings you through those tough times and I know there's been times when, well I'll just be honest with you, maybe I'm not as holy as some of y'all, but there's been times when I even doubted if God could lift me up. I've been that low before. But He's always been faithful and He's always brought me through those times. He's always lifted me up. He's always given me the strength. He's always brought me back from whatever it is that's drugged me down. You know, the word restoration means to restore to original condition or to make like new again or to make better. A lot of people like watching those antique shows. I do. I like watching them fix up the antiques and the old houses and that Texas flipping move. Anyone ever watch that show? And they, uh, The two brothers that are always remodeling houses, one of them's a realtor. There, there's several shows like that. And the guy that goes out there on uh, American Pickers and finds all that stuff that he's able to take back and restore. People like to see things brought back to their original condition or even better. They like to restore that which has become beat down, weathered, or broken. We like to do that. We like the classic cars. There's a guy in my neighborhood restoring a, I think it's a Chevy. I just catch a glimpse of it in his garage when I go by going home. It's a red red one. Bright red, I think it's a Chevy. I'm going to have to catch him out there one day and stop and look at that thing. It excites me just looking at it. My uh, nephew Brandon, he's in body, auto body work. He likes to restore cars. He likes to take something that has been damaged or wrecked and put it back together and restore it to its original condition. Well, I got news for you. We serve a God that's into restoration too. When we get beat up and beat down by the cares of life, when things come at us and wreck us and dent us and bruise us and tear us apart, God wants to see us restored as well. He don't want us to stay in our brokenness. He don't want us to stay beat down by the attacks of the enemy, and by the trials that come at us from the enemy. He wants to see us be restored to that position. That's why He sent Jesus to begin with, 
to, to provide a way so we could be restored to God and be reconciled to God. So He could be our Redeemer that we were singing about today. We serve a God that believes in restoration. Amen. That's His primary purpose. He wants to... Re, uh, his Son Jesus came to restore us back to fellowship with Him. Oh, if we could just grab hold of this. There's so many Scriptures in the Bible that talks about God's purpose of reconciliation. He wants to see us restored in several ways. He wants to see us restored physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We're triune beings with a mind, body, and a soul. Just as God is a triune being. We're created in His image. God wants all parts of us whole and restored back. Our spirits are wrecked because of the sin in the world. Sometimes our health gets wrecked because of situations going on in the world. Sometimes our emotions are torn asunder and our minds are heavy with the worries and cares of the world. But we serve a God that wants to get us past all that. He don't want us to wallow in that. He wants to restore us back even better than we were before. Because what don't kill us only makes us stronger and better. Amen? You know, we go through some rough times and there's things that come at us all the time. We experience loss. We experience trauma. We, we hit these storms a lot. But God wants to restore us back to good as new or even better. He wants to put us at a place where we're happy and content. God don't want us walking around depressed and beat down and bound up by addictions and, and just all the stuff that the world throws at us, that Satan throws at us. He wants to see us walking in joy and peace. He wants us enjoying life. He don't want life to be a burden to us. There are some people that their jobs are a burden to them. Find you another job. Pray God will give you another job. If your job's a burden to you, then you're not in the right job. Amen? If your life at times seems to be a burden to you, or if, uh, and whether you're in ministry or whatever, don't let the cares of life get you down because we serve a God that has overcome the world. Amen? He can get us through any of that stuff. He wants us to be restored to Him. He wants us to be happy. If you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus 21. We'll, we'll start there. Look at some biblical accounts. We'll look at some Old Testament and some New Testament accounts of where God talks about restoration. Exodus chapter 21. When you get there, yell amen. Y'all's quicker than I am. I was looking around and looking at my notes. Exodus 21, and we're going to start in about verse 33. We're going to see what God's law says about restitution and restoration. We're going to start reading in verse 33. Read down. Oh, a couple of verses there. Verse 33, it says, When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. Let me read a little further. When one man's ox butts another's, or so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, in other words, accustomed to being a violent animal, <clears throat> and its owner has not kept it in or restrained it, he shall repay ox for ox, <clears throat> and the dead beast shall be his. 22. Chapter 22 says, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. God expects us, if we do something wrong, His law that's set in motion here, He gave this law to the Israeli children. His law is, He believes in restoration and restitution. If you do something wrong, 
Sometimes you have to make restitution. Sometimes that restitution could be as simple as just saying an apology. I'm sorry. Just being big enough to say, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. I missed it here. You know, I'm sorry, Brother Wally, I made fun of your bass. It's okay, Tim. You're forgiven. You know, one time when I was a teenager, I took some money from someone, and that haunted me for years. And after I was saved, the Lord told me to go and offer to make restitution. He asked me to give them five times what I had taken. I went to this person, asked this person to forgive me, offered them the money, which was five times what I best could remember that I had taken. That was years ago. The lady showed me exceedingly grace and said, I forgive you. You were a kid. You didn't know that. I don't want your money. You're forgiven. Her grace poured out on me. God expects us to attempt to make restitution with Him. And His grace today will pour out on us. And, and it's nothing we work for. But when we do wrong, we need to try to offer restitution. When we know we've done wrong against God, we, we ask God to forgive us. And here's where that works because of grace comes in. We don't do works to be saved. But once we experience the grace of God, we want to do works because we are saved and because He has poured that grace out. Amen? God wants us to walk in restoration. Sometimes it may require restitution. Sometimes people's crimes, they got to do the time. They may get saved before their court date. They may still have to do the time to, to pay restitution. You may have to pay fines. You may have to... You may have to to put some restitution there, but the point is, is that you make that a, attempt to be restored to that person. Until I did that, I didn't have peace, and that haunted me for years. Finally, when I said, I'm sorry, and offered to make restitution, God told me to be prepared to make restitution. The lady wouldn't let me give her the money. I wanted to give her the money. And I asked God about it. He says, I wanted you to be willing. He says, I knew she wouldn't take but I wanted you to be willing. Afterwards, it boggled my mind because it was a pretty good handful of money with interest and five times over the years. God, God wanted me to be so sorry and so wanting to do the right thing because I had really sinned against him. This woman didn't even know I had stole the money. God wanted me. I, I had sinned against God, and we're going to talk about that. We're getting ready to look at David's Psalm, uh, Psalm in the Psalm where David <clears throat> is being restored to God. The key point is, in your heart, be willing to do whatever you can do to make restitution or to be restored in broken relationships. Whether it's your, our broken relationship with God because we've sinned against God or whether it's our broken relationship against a brother or sister, we have to have that that, that brokenness within us. Sometimes we've got to be broken. Sometimes people's got so much pride and, and, and other things in their lives that it's hard for them to get to that point where God can, can tug at their heart and get them to that point where they're willing to be restored the proper way. Some of us have been wronged by other people. Some of us Maybe have done things to wrong other people. The key is you got to get to that point. If you want God to bless you and you want God to get you on past your pain and your hurt and the things you're going through, you've got to be willing to make restitution. You, even if it's as simple as just asking someone to forgive you. And sometimes you may not be sure why someone's treating you. You know what a big Christian will do? Sometimes a big Christian will say, man, I don't know. I can tell so-and-so they're just not as friendly as they used to. I don't think I've done anything. But God may say, well, just go and tell them you're sorry if you've done anything to offend them. Maybe they don't even know. A lot of times they don't. You just, and then you go to that person and say, you know, I sense something here with you. There seems to be some, we're just not as close as we used to be. Or you seem to be at, mad at me or aggravated or whatever. I'm sorry if I've done anything to offend you. Really, I'm not sure what it was. And sometimes they'll tell you, and then you go, oh my goodness, I sure didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean it that way. And then you get it all out in the open and talk about it like grown men and women. But see, Satan, he likes to hide stuff, 
and he likes to keep that stuff down, and then he's got your imaginations running wild, and it's all building up. I'm so glad that I didn't let it fester about Tim making fun of my bass. I let it go, Tim. I didn't let the devil use that to drive a wedge between us. <laughs> You're forgiven, brother. All right. Let's move on. Let's look at David's example. Let's see what, in, in Psalm 51, let's go to Psalm 51 with me. I love this psalm. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says he was a mighty warrior. One of these days I'll, I'll preach on some of David's exploits. Um, but David was a human being. And David had times when he didn't always please God and he sinned against God. and He wasn't perfect. And in fact, if you read through your Bible, most of our examples that we have were not perfect people. They were obedient people. And they all had troubles. They all had uh, shortcomings, but see, God can use a willing heart that's willing to repent and turn. But David, at this particular point, when he's writing the 51st Psalm, this is after he had already sinned with Bathsheba, um, set, set, set her husband up to be murdered, and all that, all that story, and that's another whole story. But he realizes that he has sinned, not, on, not just against these people, but the primary one he sinned against was God. Let me let me read the 51st Psalm to you, and then I want to talk about it a little bit. 51st Psalm to the choir master, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. And then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. David was at, a, at probably one of the most broken points in his life because he come to the realization that he had sinned. He said, against you only I've sinned. He's not saying that he didn't sin against the others. He's saying the most important thing that he had done is he had sinned against God. That's the most important transgression he had made. Yes, he, he wasn't... It, a lot of people say, well, he's saying he didn't do those people wrong. Yes, he did the people wrong. He did have the man murdered, the woman's husband, the Sheba's husband, and, and he committed adultery, and he did those terrible things. But his main thing that he'd done wrong that he needed to address was his disobedience to God and his sin against God. You know, today, sometimes we do things that, that, that maybe uh, hurt other people and against other people. But first and foremost, we need to look at what we're doing and how it affects our relationship to God. Because we sin against God first. No matter who we hurt or what we do. And there's a lot of bad people out there in this world that have killed lots of people. 
and, and they've sinned against those people and they've stolen and they've done all these bad things and, and we see the rioting and the looting in our streets today and the, the chaos in our country. The, the, the racial dissension and all the things that are going on in our country. But first and foremost, folks, the country is sinning against God when they kill the babies. They're sinning against God when, when they, uh, the racial things are happening and they're being prejudiced and racist and they sin against God when they're committing these violent crimes and they're pillaging and stealing and all that. They're sinning against God first. God is not happy with the condition of this world. It's not just America. It's around the world. Chaos is erupting. Satan knows his time is short and he is trying to wreck as much havoc as he can. He's trying to keep people out of the churches. What a, what a neat trick to create a virus that keeps people from going to church. Because I believe the Word says, and I was reminded of this from a good friend yesterday as we were having lunch with, with Pastor Gary Martin and Pastor Kathy Martin. The Word says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We forget the rest of that. Especially as the time draws close for His second coming. That's the context of it. I probably didn't quote it word for word. But the meaning of that is, he's coming soon, and, and Satan, what a neat trick Satan come up with trying to keep us from assembling together. Let's close the churches by creating a virus and keeping everybody from going to church. Let's create racial dissension so that people are so busy fighting, they're too tired on Sundays to go to church. Even Christians, a lot of Christians are at the point now, they're sick of seeing all this stuff going on in our world, and they're at the point they want to strike out. But God gave us a bigger command where we're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves. We're supposed to be bringing that light into the world. We're supposed to be trying to seek restoration of our world. We're supposed to be seeing people make peace. We're supposed to be, the Word says, blessed are the peacemakers. We are supposed to be doing those kind of things. We're supposed to be seeking reconciliation. We're supposed to be showing people love in all forms. Practical love. Sharing our love. David was asking for God's grace. He was, he was broken. He says, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Sometimes because of situations we face where we feel like we've been wronged or we, we, we faced a, a, a terrible loss or whatever, we, sometimes we even get mad in God and our hearts get dry because we have hard feelings that we dwell on too long. Remember, we're a triune being. Mind, body, and soul. If we let our minds get full of junk, we need to be seeking God because that's hurting our relationship with God. We need to be seeking Him. We need Him to create that heart within us that's clean. Oh, that we could let go of the bitterness. That we could let go of the pain and the bad memories. God don't want us walking around defeated, broken, beat down. Satan's trying He's working hard. He's working overtime right now across this world, creating havoc. He's working real hard. He works through people. And sometimes we get mad at the people when we're, we're getting mad at the wrong enemy. And that's another whole sermon for another day. But if we could just do what it says in His Word and reach out to God and humble ourselves and pray and, and, and ask God to forgive us and ask God to help us to have that clean heart, help us to do right things. He, he don't want us just throwing money at everything. He wants us coming to Him with a broken spirit. There are a lot of people today that think they're going to get to heaven because of their good works. They think because they throw money at good charities that they're going to get to heaven. And we should do those kind of things because we are saved not to get saved. We're saved by the grace of God. But He loves us. Reconciliation with God the Father is free through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It don't cost us anything. And I know during the time of the Holy Roman Empire they were selling all kinds of religious favors and stuff like that. We don't do that. You do good things and, and you do kind acts because you are saved, not to get saved. In the book of Amos in in 9.14, and I, I just want to share one quick verse and then I'll paraphrase the story. Another Old Testament example how God can restore lands. 
In, in Amos 9, verse 14, it says, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and then and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. There was a prophetic message there from the prophet Amos, and it had a threefold fulfillment. It had the, the, the uh, past, present, and future fulfillment to his prophecy. God did restore Israel many times, but the total restoration of Israel is still coming in the future when the Messiah comes back to earth. In the present, Israel's being restored. They, they have their capital back in Jerusalem. Thank you, President Trump. Prophecy still being fulfilled. That 914 is still in fulfillment. It had a past fulfillment. It's got a present fulfillment. And when, and when the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes back to reign for a thousand years, it'll have the total and the completion fulfillment. That's a God of restoration. He's been, he restored. Look how many times Israel would stray from him under different wicked kings. And each time he would restore them. When they got to the point where they humbled themselves and they cried out to God and asked for his help. See, I think that's the biggest thing that's wrong for America today. We don't think we need God. We think we can do our own thing. Humanism has ruined this country. People think, you know, they can buy another self-help book or take another... Go, to, go see another motivational speaker that will give them three steps to being successful. There's no bi biblical truth in any of it. Now when Pastor Wally gives you three steps to something, I'm going to give you biblical truth that goes with it, okay? I'm not giving you a self-help book. There are some preachers out there that give motivational speeches. That's not me. I tell you what the Word says. But I may break it up into three things. It just hit me. I needed to clarify that. <clears throat> if we would obey God's command, if we would seek Him and humble ourselves, if we would turn from our wicked ways, folks, we're facing probably the most pivotal election since the time of Abraham Lincoln's election. If the election had gone the other way with Abraham Lincoln, it would have been a whole different country. Depending on how this election goes, we could be a whole different country. I'm not preaching politics. I'm preaching biblical. Just vote biblical and you'll never go wrong. Don't vote a political party. And, and, and at times, certain political parties seem to be more biblical. But I, I remember back in the day when, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was in this country, he was the best man for the job. I believe he was trying to instill biblical values in this country. President Kennedy and some of the ones. I'm not, I'm not preaching political party, but we need to be voting biblical. No matter what the party, whether it's Republican, Democrat, Independent, you need to vote biblical. Because you see, if we keep voting what makes us feel good or what might put most money in our pocket or what 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 particular candidate, no matter at what level, is going to do the most for me to satisfy the selfish desires of my flesh? I'm voting for whatever candidate seems to be the most godly and more apt to let God's Word take effect in our country, in our cities, in our counties. That's the way we should be looking. But we need to be looking that way. But see, God wants to restore America, I believe, back to that great place where we started. God wants to restore the churches. It's no big secret. We, we would be lying if we would say that the church is that powerhouse around the world today that it needs to be. There are pockets where the church is doing well. There are other places where the church is a joke. There are places where the churches are more than little more than a social club. They're not preaching the full gospel of the Word. They're not preaching the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They're little more than social clubs and self-help messages and motivational speeches. God wants to restore the church as well around the world today. God wants to restore families. God wants to restore relationships. God wants to restore, first and foremost, all sinners to Him through salvation, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's His number one goal. That's the, the number one restoration He wants to see happen. 
He wants to restore people's health. He wants to restore people's joy. He wants to restore people's lives back to the pre-sin entering the world in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. When God created it, it was perfect. Sin entered in and it became ugly. And sin has grown and grown and grown and destroyed God's perfect creation. God wants to restore all that. And the perfect restoration is coming when Jesus Christ comes back and sets everything right. But you know what? We need to be taking some ground for God right now. First and foremost, we need to be trying to restore souls to God. I believe that, that God wants to restore this church back to be that powerhouse that it has been. If your best days are behind you, you're a dying church. If you're optimistic and you're looking forward and you've got an attitude of gratitude and you're looking forward to the great things of God and you're allowing God to work in your midst, then the best days are ahead of the church. Amen? I believe the best days of the church right here in Puxico is ahead of us. Yes, you've had some great days in the past. And yes, there's some lessons from the past we need to learn from. There's some good things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That'd make a good movie. Oh, somebody already did that. There's some good things that have happened. There's some bad things. There's some ugly things within our church and within another church. But God wants to get past all that. He wants the church to be His powerhouse where people come and get saved, healed, delivered, set free, where the church is going beyond the doors and reaching out to the lost and dying world. That's what God wants to do. He wants to restore the churches. Not just this church, all the churches. But you know how He does that? We talked about this Wednesday night. We talked about being good stewards of the gifts that God gave us. One little parable I spent about an hour, 45 minutes at least, talking on. The one parable about the good steward. If each and every one of us will be good stewards of whatever gifts God has given us, we can be part of that plan that God has to restore the church back to being the powerhouse that it's supposed to be. Locally, on a national level, on a world level. Each and every one of us doing our part. Because God wants the church to be the powerhouse. Look how the early church was. Man, they just were praying for everybody. People were jumping up, getting healed. People were getting their sight back. People were loving on each other. The church was in unity. We weren't beating up on the, 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 the Baptists because they believed a certain way. We weren't beating up on Church of Christ because they thought they were the only ones going to heaven and we had to be baptized and all that. And the differences we start. No. They were the church. They were unified in purpose. Jesus Christ was the head of the church. That's the point we need to get back to today. I believe God wants to see the church restored as that powerhouse. Now, I've said this a bunch of times. The denominations are a good thing for people to feel part of something. Certain people would rather worship a certain way. I get all that. I get it. But they're also bad when they start accusing each other and picking on each other and beating each other up. We all serve the same God. We all have the same Jesus Christ that is our Lord and Savior. That church needs to be unified in that. We can get past the other. Yeah, we're labeled as a bunch of holy rollers. Get over it. Just go with it. If the Lord tells you to roll in the floor, roll in the floor. We're holy rollers, are right? It don't matter. They saw you come in the front door, so you're already labeled as a holy roller. You might as well just cut loose and let the Holy Spirit through. You're already labeled a holy roller. And I figured that out real quick. I'm the only holy roller over here in my neighborhood. So I'll get out there and roll around in the yard on my own, I guess, anyway. But God wants us to get along with the church at large. He wants the church at large to be in such unity that we can work together. Great example, that prayer march that we saw on the video this morning. Uh, there were several different people. There was all denominations present in Washington, D.C. praying for our country. All denominations were represented there. There were Church of Christ people. There were Baptist people. There were Pentecostal people. Uh, Franklin Graham had a big part in that. Um, you saw they showed some clips even of Samaritan's Purse and the, the, the Christmas shoe boxes and stuff like that. And we'll talk more later. We're going to do some stuff with that, I think. Because the church is supposed to be united in the purpose of showing the love of God around this world. 
And sometimes we can do more if we team up with other churches than we can do on our own. And so many churches want to take off and do their own thing. And some things maybe we may be different on, that's okay. But we don't look at the differences, we look at what we have in common. Now, make no mistake, sin is still sin. And I don't want a house full of sinners. Just, just because the church down the street, can't, street has keg parties don't mean we're going to have keg parties here. There ain't a church down the street with a keg party. Whew. There is in Jackson, Tennessee. All right. So we need to, we need to team up. And like, like in the book of Amos, as God began to heal Israel, and He's still fulfilling that today, and He's got the future fulfillment coming, if we'll begin to pray, I believe we'll see results begin to happen quickly as we begin to seek God's restoration in our own lives, in our church, and in our relationships with other people. God wants to restore people back to good as normal. He don't want people walking around sad and grieving and moping or beat down or broken hearted and angry. God wants us to walk in sheer joy. He wants us to walk in His joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. See, Satan learned a long time ago if he steals your joy, he can tear the church down. He learned if he could reach around and, and grab a few select people in the church and begin to steal their joy, that he could cause that church to implode on themselves. And then they're no longer a threat to we should, we should count it good that Satan thinks we're such an enemy to him that, that we're a threat, that he does attack our church, but we need to be strong enough to resist those temptations and those attacks, and we need to get past them. Oh, if we could get everybody in this church to get their joy back. If everybody in the church would let God restore their joy back to them. There's no stopping a bunch of joyful Christians. That are happy about what they're doing. They're not letting the cares of the world be. Oh, if we could get to that point, church. Hmm. If we just let God have that restoration process flow through our churches. He wants to do it. He always wants to restore people to good health and, and spiritually and, 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 and mentally, emotionally. He don't want us to stay beat down. He wants us to. But we've got to be like David and come to him with a repentant heart. And even Paul in the New Testament teaches on restoration in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm, I'm going to move a little quick now. I know I'm, I'm, I want to get through this. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 9 it says, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. And then in verse uh, 11 in that same chapter Paul says, as he's closing out, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You know, Paul frequently was writing to the churches, and I'll share another verse in Galatians here in a minute. The, the Corinthian church, the Corinthian people, they were saved. These were Christians he was writing to. They had heard the message of, of, of Christ and they had been reconciled to God, but they struggled to love each other. They struggled to continue in the faith. They struggled with getting along with each other. They struggled with uh, temptation. The churches are all perfect today. Nobody in the church is tempted tempted backslides, right? That was sarcasm. See, they had the same problems back then that we got today. People were tempted and they fall to that temptation and then they begin to, to cause problems and rather than run to God, people run from God. Rather than just being like David and say, oh God, I've sinned against you first and foremost. Please, Lord, forgive me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Instead of doing that, people begin to run from God. Instead of asking God to restore their joy, people sit around moping. You know what happens? To get, if you start slipping, you're not moving forward, you're slipping back. You start slipping in one area, you 
just start slipping. Pretty soon, oh my goodness, you're in such a state. The moment you realize that something is not where it needs to be, begin to seek God to restore you back to that place where you need to be. If you don't have the best relationship with a friend or a family member, seek to have that restored. If you know that you've done something that's not right in God's eyes, confess it, repent of it, ask God to restore you to right relationship with Him. If we're not in right relationship to Him, how can we be in right relationship to our brothers and sisters in the church? I believe a lot of times that's what's wrong in the churches today. People are letting their relationships with God. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. They're shouting me down now. I can hear them. Not getting a lot of amens on this. But if people would seek to restore their relationships with God by confessing their sins or confessing their shortcomings and asking God to help them through the rust fire, He don't want to beat you up. God, contrary to what some people preach, God's not got a big stick ready to just beat people up. God is a God of mercy and grace and He wants us to be saved. He wants us to, to partake of His grace. He wants us to be in right standing with Him. We're the ones that get it wrong because we try to hide our sin from Him. He can see it all. Matter of fact, He can see through this ceiling like Clark Kent. He's, re- he's looking right into your minds right now. Get out of your mind, whatever it is. Let me get that pastor after church. He's stepping on some toes. Whoever that is, God sees right into your mind through the ceiling. It ain't you, is it, Tim? I pick on Tim because I know he can take it. Restoration. But you know what we do as humans? We wait too long to seek restoration. We let things go too far, too long, and all the while... We don't even know all the details, and sometimes it's just one little small thing. But all the while, Satan's whispering in our ear, and all that stuff in our head is building up. And pretty soon there's this whole mess. And if he can turn you against God, if he can get you believing that, well, God don't love me no more. God let this happen. Oh, he he scored a big basket for the evil team then. That's a three-pointer. He shot that one from way out and got you to buy into it. He slammed dunked it. Mm. But we let Satan whisper in our ear. Restoration. God wants us to be restored to Him. Quit letting the devil pull you away from God. Quit letting the devil pull you away from right standing with family members and friends. Quit letting things that happen. Life happens. And life don't always seem fair to us. And, and, and some things we wonder why it happens to us. We live in an evil world. This world is so full of sin. Sometimes some of that evilness spills over on it. Even good people get affected by it. Just like even bad people enjoy some of the blessings that we enjoy from God. They enjoy that same beautiful sunset that we enjoy. That same beautiful sunrise. They enjoy the rain that falls on it. Sometimes the bad stuff that is coming because of the bad people overflows on us. But we serve a God that said He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. But He'd go with us through it all. No matter what it is. No matter what bad thing happens to us. And we don't always understand His ways. His ways are higher than my ways. His ways are different than ours. But I know that His promises are that He's going to get me through. And one day, When we're in heaven, maybe we'll get all the gaps filled in. But at that point, you know what? It probably won't matter to us. But I got some questions right now. Some of of God's creation I don't understand. Some of the things He created I don't understand. I I really don't know why we got mosquitoes. I can't find anything good for mosquitoes. Some of y'all may like mosquitoes. I know they're God's creation and we're supposed to love God's creation. But I swap mosquitoes. They hurt. Come on now, the rest of y'all's killed some mosquitoes too. You live in southeast Missouri, you've killed some mosquitoes. I don't understand everything. But a lot of the stuff, and, and maybe the mosquitoes come because of the sin, like the locusts and some of that stuff. I don't know. But you know what? God's not going to hold me accountable for what I don't know. 
He's going to hold me accountable for what I do know. And I do know that His Word says that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're supposed to love Him with all of our heart. And if we're doing all that, we shouldn't be slipping into all these troubles with other people. Galatians 6.1, Paul was, was teaching this. He says, brother, 6.1. He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But he goes on to warn him, says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And I noticed some of the people that when we had all the great religious scandals, some of the other people, rather than restoring some of those fallen religious leaders and gentlemen, they began to attack them. And first thing you know, they were tempted too. And they fell. The devil loves to work. There's a reason this word is here for us. Even the greatest religious leaders fell to temptation. We've seen it time and time again, and there's some of them that are kind of stumbling right now that's making the news. God wants us to bear one another's burdens. God wants us to help each other out when we're, when we're tempted. When people stray, He wants us to lift them up in gentleness. Sometimes there's some restitution that has to happen. Sometimes there may be a time period if we've got someone that's really doing something bad in our church, we don't want to just kick them out of the church. We want to restore them to right standing with God, right? That's what we should seek for. But all too often today, in a lot of cases, the church, the person does something wrong, they boot them plumb out of the church. That word right there says we're supposed to lift them up in gentleness and be careful lest you be tempted yourself. That's exactly what happened in the late 70s in this country. That's what's happening today in a lot of places. We need to be people who believe in the restoration of God. I knew a story one time in my hometown. There was a bookkeeper of a church that stole a bunch of money. I think it was the Church of Christ. I don't remember. One of the churches. Um, the church restored him in gentleness. The man had to pay some restitution because he had stolen God's money. He'd sinned first and foremost against God. But when they, but but uh, he sinned against his fellow brothers and sisters in, in that church as well. But they they allowed him, they restored him. Now, they didn't keep him in charge of the books. That makes sense. And there may be people that that need restored. You don't immediately um, child molesters and things like that. They deserve God's mercy and grace too. They're, God loves them too. God loves the most evil, sinful person. That don't mean we got to put them working with our kids, right? We got to use some wisdom, but we can restore them, and we can still have fellowship with them. We just need to be careful and not put them where they're tempted to do it again. I mean, there's there's some common sense that plays there. Alcoholics, they probably don't until they get fully, fully, and, and, and I'm not sure they ever get there. They don't probably need to be going out and doing bar mitzvahs. There was a, a, a man of God named Bob Harrington. Some of y'all may have heard him. It's way back there. He was called, he was on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And he was a doctor. And he got saved. And he began to preach. And then he began to go back to the district where he used to party and everything and try to minister to those folks. He ended up falling from grace and going back into it. He was tempted again. He was going back trying to minister, and and I'm not, and, and I do believe that God will use you to minister to people out of your greatest sin and hurt. But he wasn't strong enough to go back there, and, and he fell back into the ways of the world. He wasn't strong enough to go there. But had he sought, and I don't know, he may have got saved again. I lost track of the guy. Maybe he got saved again and restored the right system. Just because people stumble and fall. We don't always know. There's a lot of people that get restored to grace. It may, it may be last minute before they step into eternity. We don't know. But God is a God of restoration, and He would be that all men be saved and reconciled. And we need to be doing our best to be part of the reconciliation process. We need to be helping restore others to the Lord. Here's, here's, here's my vision. 
it's been working on me on this church. We, we, we know we went through some rough stuff. We can't just lay here and wallow in self-pity and feel sorry with us and keep reliving the past. We've got to move forward. We've had bad stuff happen to us. I know that. I, I don't know all the details and really don't want to know all the details. But I know we need to move forward because if we stay beat down in a broken state, we're not any good to God. There are people that probably are not firmly planted in a church anywhere. We need to be seeking them. There may be some that are that are backslid and and isn't that terrible because whatever happened, people the fallout from that is people strayed away from God. We need to be seeking to reconcile those people back with the church, restore them back to the church, reconcile help them get reconciled with God in a relationship. Because I don't care how strong a Christian you may feel like right now. If you are not assembling yourself with other people, you're not getting built up. There's a reason that's in the Word. We need each other. We need to, to draw our strength on each other. And you've got a fellowship. And you can't do it like I joked about earlier, going to Walmart on Sunday mornings or out on the creek bank or the beach or whatever. And I understand sometimes we take vacations. I'm not depriving you of all that. I learned the hard way, don't ever deer hunt on Sunday morning. Because I had a preacher Sunday night when I showed up preaching against me. I'd have been okay with it. I received the word of God and I was okay. And until sister so-and-so, in a very loud whisper, as he's preaching against putting other things against God, said, poor Molly. Everybody in the church heard her say poor Molly in her loud whisper. Oh, okay. I'm the one he preached the sermon against for going deer hunting on Sunday morning. <laughs> we need to restore people. We need to reach out and love. We need to do what we can. All indications are, looking at the stats, there are about 30,000 people in Stoddard County. And some of the stats I was looking at, Googling around through line, it appears that there are probably about 9,000 people out of that 30,000 people that are not churched. Let's just go after 10% of them. 10% of 9,000 is 900. We'd have to start a building plan right away, wouldn't we? There's 9,000 people that aren't. Don't, don't go pulling them out of other churches. There's 9,000 people uh, that aren't going to church in Stoddard County. Let's go after them. That's 900. We'll either have to plant another church, like this church so faithfully did at Wapapella so many years ago, or we'll have to do multiple services or whatever if we get that 10%. I tell you what, if we want to see our church healthy again, let's just go after 1%. That's 90 people. 90% of the unchurched people in Stoddard County. Restore them back to fellowship with God and with Christian brothers and sisters. A lot of those have been to church. This is a very spiritual community. Most people at one time or another has been to church and they know about God. They're not hostile toward God. Most of them are not in church because they're sick of all the hypocritical behavior that goes on in some of the churches. I'll just put that out there. I know, I was preaching good, now I'm meddling. If we'll just reach out for that 1%, hey, if we get 2%, that's 180 people. We get 2%. Put that 180 with the about 50 that are going there. We're at full capacity. Getting 2% of the unchurched people in Stoddard County. There's probably 2% of the unchurched people in Stoddard County within a reasonable, very reasonable driving distance. Think about it. But it starts with each and every one of us making sure that we get ourselves where we need to be. It starts with the preacher actively seeking God's Word. I'm doing that. I spend a lot of time digging in His Word and trying to seek Him for the message He wants. And this message on restoration is what He handed me for this, for this morning for you guys. And I get a lot out of it too. Most of the time I get a lot out of it. Before I ever preach it to you, God's already done a great work in me as I go through this thing. We all can use restoration in some areas of our lives. There's things in all of our lives, I'm sure, that we could probably do better. Better relationships with our spouses. 
better relationship with our kids and our grandkids, better relationships with co-workers. Maybe some of those have been severed and need total restoration. Maybe some of those just need a couple of band-aids on them until they heal. Maybe some of those we just need to go grab somebody and hug them and tell them we're sorry or tell them we miss them, tell them we love them. Maybe that's all it will take. Restoration. I'd like to see this church become that powerhouse that I know God wants it to be. This church was not planted here to be a social club. This church was not planted here just for a few select people to have a place to go on Sunday. This church was planted here to be like a hospital for a sick and dying world that needs to know the love of Jesus Christ. This church was planted here to grow disciples that would go forth and shed that love on all these people. Man, I want to see the, the people piling in here getting healed because the move of God is so strong. But it takes each and every one of us to get that move coming. I want to see the fire back in the church. All the churches. God wants to do that. He want, it says in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on everyone. It says that. He wants to see this church a powerhouse. He wants to see the church down the road a power. He wants to see all those who claim Him as Lord and Savior to be walking in victory and power and joy. And once you get your joy back, there's no stopping it. Once you allow God to pour His love into your heart and pour His power onto you, there's no turning back. Just keep moving forward. We don't have to look back and say, oh man, back in 1973 when Pastor, really good preacher was here. This church was on fire and we were doing Let's look toward the future. When the pastor that comes after me has got the church on fire. Let, you know, I, I, I'm just here for a season. Then I'm gone. Someone else will come. I hope it's a long season. But I don't know what God's got in store. I'm going to do the best I can while I'm here with what i got to work with. And that's all each and every one of you can do. Do the best you can. Life throws you some curveballs. I never could hit a curveball. Where's my baseball players? Curveball's hard to hit. I never could hit one. Fastball didn't scare me. And I had some really hard fastballs thrown at me. But the curveballs, I couldn't hit. And life will throw you some curveballs. Life will throw you some bumps. Some bumps in the road will happen. And you know how bumps in the road knock the alignment out on your car and the front end starts shimmying. I know y'all know that living on these gravel roads and stuff. And it gets rough. And when you get it smoothed back out, it feels better. Well, that's all that's happened here in this church. There's been some rough stuff happening. Some bumps. Some, some, we got a little bit out of line, but we just need to get back in line. We just need to move forward. We just need to be seeking God for total restoration. And if there's somebody we need to go apologize to, then let's go do that. If there's someone we may not even done wrong, but they, think, they may think we did or we, we don't know. But at least stick out that olive branch of friendship and reach out to them. Because what are you going to feel like if you get to heaven and God shows you a person that didn't make it because you didn't reach out to them? Restoration requires something of us. Sometimes it requires some restitution, like I talked about earlier. But it requires obedience first and foremost to try to reach out in love. Sometimes loving's hard. Some people are harder than others to love. I understand that. I get that. But if we we'll allow the love of Christ to flow through us and we seek total restoration of severed relationships or uncomfortable relationships, I believe we're going to start seeing a work of God in this church. I believe we're going to start seeing it in our community. And I know it hurt this year. All the stuff got shut down, the homecoming and everything. Satan wrecked havoc. In this, that's every community that has lost a lot of stuff. He's kept people apart. But I believe we're coming through that. 
And I believe as we begin to, to, to seek rest, restoration of relationship with people, and our relationships with God, that God's going to pour out such a blessing on this church and this community, we will not be able to contain it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of restoration. Lord, I thank you that you believe that no matter what we've done, if we will just humble ourselves, that you believe enough in us that you will forgive us and that you will forgive us of, the, of our faults and our trespasses, our sins. You forgive us of where we miss the mark with you. We, you forgive us when we do things that wreak havoc in our communities and in our families and in our churches. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we ask You to forgive us for anything we've done that may have caused dissension or trouble within the congregation. Lord, we ask You to forgive us if there's things we've done that have hampered Your Gospel from being spread. Lord, if there's things we've done that have caused people to feel unloved or unappreciated, Lord, bring those to our minds so that we can seek restitution and seek restoration. Maybe we have to do some restitution. Maybe we just need to show some mercy and some grace to those. Maybe someone will come to us. But Lord, we seek Your guidance. We seek Your wisdom. Lord, I pray that each and every one that's heard this message today, Lord, if there's something that they need to seek restitution on, Lord, I pray that You bring that to their minds. Bring that to the forefront.